Episode 1 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on August the 5th, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast with your host, Ted. In this inaugural episode, Ted answers the burning question of why are you here? In his in-game adventures segment, Ted talks about making augment kits for credits and ponders just how many credits you need to be rich nowadays. He covers the latest news for Star Wars The Old Republic, bringing you some information you might have missed about the upcoming Knights of the Eternal Throne expansion. And in the topic of the week, Ted explores our connection with Valkorion, is there more than meets the eye here? Well, without further ado, here goes nothing, and here is your host, Ted. Welcome to episode one of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I have a great show lined up for you today. Now, since this is the very first episode, I want to take a couple of minutes and do some housekeeping and tell you what this podcast is all about. This is a podcast about Star Wars The Old Republic MMO. Now, I figure you probably already knew this, but just in case, I wanted to give you a chance to bail out now before you get too far down this rabbit hole. I am the only host for now. If things work out, I may reach out to the community and bring someone else on, but for now, it is just me. And because it's just me, I want to keep things short. So the show will never be longer than 30 minutes. It could be a little bit less, but I'd like for it to be just around 30 minutes. Uh, the podcast will be le- weekly uh, with new shows releasing every Tuesday. Uh, um, that's the plan for now. Uh, the format of the show, it's pretty simple. I'll open with some announcements, maybe some news and information. Then I'll dive a little bit into what I'm doing in game. And then I'll have a topic of the week. Eventually, I may do some interviews with some folks in the community. And I'd love to do some Q&A and, and just you know have you guys submit questions and try and answer them on the show for you. So I'll give you information about the email, website, and Twitter all at the end of the show. So now I want to tell you a little bit about me and my gaming and podcasting experience since this is the very first episode. I've been playing MMOs for since 2003. Star Wars Galaxies was my first step into the larger world of MMOs. I started playing World of Warcraft when it launched in 2004, and I still play today. I have a website called thebrewhall.com, where occasionally I'll blog about the Hunter class in World of Warcraft and anything to do with Star Wars The Old Republic. I also do a World of Warcraft podcast called the Hunting Party Podcast, uh, which is all about hunters in World of Warcraft. Uh, Both the Brewhall and the Hunting Party Podcast were started in 2009, so I've been doing this for a while now. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I blog twice a month for a group called The Cantina Cast. So you can check out their site and read mine and all the other blog posts there. It's cantinacast.com. Follow them on Twitter. Uh, it's at The Cantina Cast. They also do a podcast, and I've appeared about six times on that show. Really good group of people, to say the least. And I'm really having a good good time with that, so, so check them out. In terms of Star Wars The Old Republic, I've been playing since launch. I wasn't in the beta, but I did get invited to a couple of the beta weekends that they were doing in the fall of 2011. I used to blog for a site called Forest Junkies. They're no longer around, but uh, 
In fact, I got to attend the Guild Summit in March of 2012 on their behalf. I've attended one cantina tour, and that was the one in, at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim. I play on the Shadowlands server and am a member of the Tor Wars X4 Guild. Hands down, one of the best guilds I've been a part of in, in any MMO. Really good group of people. My main tune is a mercenary, although I have 22 tunes on the server, 16 of which are level 65, and uh, the others aren't too far behind from max level. So I do play a lot of alts and do a lot of leveling in this game. And I've just thought about doing a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast for a while now, and just seemed like the time was right, so here we are, and I hope you enjoy it. So so that's enough about me. Uh, I do have a couple of announcements to tell you about, things happening. Uh, as you may know, this year marks the fifth anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic. So to celebrate the 87 unique characters that have been created in the galaxy, BioWare is running a, I call it a contest, I guess, or uh, where they're going to create a Star Wars The Old Republic character collage. You know, these are those uh, pictures where when you're zoomed out, it looks like an, an image. It could be something like, you know, the Star Wars The Old Republic logo. But if you zoom in, you'll see that that image is made up of all sorts of tiny little pictures. So that's what they're doing here. And what they want you to do is submit the tiny little pictures that are going to make up the collage. So they want you to take a close-up headshot of your in-game character The recommended resolution is 1920 by 1080. Turn off all the UI and text. Focus on the waist up. Remain in your default pose. And then when you've got your screenshot, email the image to swotorsubmissions at swotor.com. And that's S-W-T-O-R submissions at S-W-T-O-R.com. There's no deadline posted, but uh, why wait, right? So I I would recommend sending yours in today. And there was nothing, no mention of a limit on how many... Uh, characters you could submit. So if you're like me and have 22 characters on a server, why not take a picture of all 22 and send them in? In other community news, uh, the folks over at tourfashion.com are teaming up with uh, the hot pants of the Old Republic and they're running a companion fashion police contest. Now this contest runs from August 1st to August 31st and the goal here is simple. Just embarrass those companions that annoy, irritate, or downright anger you. So basically, you're going to dress up these companions. Obviously, it only applies to ones where you can dress them up and come up with creative and just silly outfits and then go ahead and submit them into this contest. There will be three winners, one from each of the following categories. The first category is playable race female. So these are female companions that are the same race as playable characters, and they're also including Nadia Grell, who is one of the Jedi Consular uh, companions. Uh, the second category is playable race male. These are male companions that are the same races as playable characters, and this also includes Vector, Hillis, and Dr. Loken. And then the final category are non-playable races. So winners will receive 2400, a 2400 Amazon cartel coin card. So head to uh, tourfashion.com forward slash CFP contest for a full list of rules, prize information, and how to enter. And again, that's tour-fashion.com forward slash CFP dash contest. And by the way, there's nothing more exciting than doing a podcast where you have to just spell out and read URLs and email addresses. But anyway, that's all of the announcements for this week. So now I'm going to move into a segment that I call In-Game Exploits. 
And no, it's not about cheating. It's just about something I've been doing or seen in-game and feel like talking about. So this week's in-game exploits are about credits and the Galactic Trade Network, you know, the GTN. You're probably aware that there is an achievement in-game for earning 10 million credits. And this was introduced for Rise of the Hut Cartel uh, a few years back. So 10 million isn't that much anymore. I'm not even sure it was a lot back then when that achievement was introduced, but but nowadays 10 million is nothing. Uh, So during Knights of the Fallen Empire, I set a goal to earn 100 100 million credits. I called it the 100 million credit march. And at the time, to me anyway, that seemed like a lot of money to have. Like if I had that many credits, I'd be rich. I, I, I achieved the goal and actually now have 135 million credits on a single tune with, I don't know, a few million spread out on other characters. And that's not bad, but I don't feel rich. And the thing is, I don't know what rich is in the game. Like, Bioware released this big infographic about uh, all sorts of interesting stats and stuff like that, but they never release any money stats. Always be curious to see, uh, you know, sort of what the average income, if you will, of, of players is. How much money, how many credits does people have? I, I'm just curious. I don't, So I don't know. I have a new goal now, which is to have 200 million credits in hand before the launch of the next expansion. So, So here's my question for you. How many credits do you need to feel rich in this game? Now, I'm not asking how many you have, or if you want to email me and reply, you can tell me how many you have. Uh, I'm curious to know what rich is, or how many credits does one need to feel comfortable? I mean, at 135 million, I feel good, but but it could just disappear in a heartbeat, too. And the reason I say this is, when you look at the prices of some of the items that are on the GTN, they're 10, 20, upwards of 50 million credits. And yet, it, yes, it's a minority of the items that are priced this way, but there's some of the good stuff, right? Like the Defiant Vented Lightsaber. I bought one for $45 million, which was a lot. It really set me back. I've since made it all back, but I love that lightsaber. I mean, I've added it to my collection. I use it on several tunes. I love it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I enjoy it. But $45 million was awfully steep. Uh, for the Dark versus Light, I recently bought, I think it was... The Revenite Avengers armor set. Someone put the full set, just a crate of the full set, 10 million credits. I didn't hesitate to buy it. I had a Jedi Knight, called him Count Sudoku, and uh, decided he would look good in a, in a set like that. You know, I want it. It's black, it's red, it's got the cloak. So, and it's fun. I, you know, I, I, I do these things because it's fun. That's why I like to have the money. Not so I can just hoard it, but so I can spend it. You know, what's the point of having all these credits if you aren't going to buy cool things? So I've, I've, I've earned a lot, spent a lot too. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about today how I'm making this money and some of the things I'm doing though. Um, and basically, at the risk of ruining the market, I've actually made the bulk of my credits selling augment kits. And did I mention I was on the Shadowlands server earlier? I I, I meant to say I'm on the Corellian Run server. Yeah, that's the one. I'm Corellian Run. Definitely not on Shadowlands. But seriously, though, Augment Kits are some of the most liquid items I've ever seen. They don't stay on the GTN for very long, and I have no idea why they sell so well. I mean, I guess everyone has upwards of 20 tunes, and maybe they want to augment them all. I'll be honest with you. I'm not good about augmenting all my alts. I have my main tune. He's all kitted out. And I have a couple other tunes that I like that I have done augments for that I've augmented, but most of my characters are lagging in this area. 
but they they they, they just sell. I mean, in and I don't spend a lot of time questioning the gift bantha here. I just try and crank out kits and sell them. They're not that hard to make, but it is tedious. And it, and for me, it takes a small army of tunes to do this. So here's how I do it. And I'm telling you this because if anyone else here is in the augment business and knows of a better way to do it, I'm all ears. I'm here to you know, learn from you guys about this stuff as much as I am just to explain how I go about doing things. But here's the way I do it. Well, let me back up. How do you make an augment kit? Augment kit's pretty easy. You need something called uh, an augment component, and you get this by reverse engineering your stuff. I'll talk about that in a minute. You need an assembly component related to, the obviously, the crafting profession uh, that you're going to make them with. Uh, you need a slicing component called given hypercalculator. And then you need another prototype material that can either come from investigation or underworld trading, metals or cloth. And again, the item you need is specific to whatever profession that you're built making them in. So for example, when I craft them with synth weaving, I need to make bonded attachments, which are made from crystals. I need the uh, assembly, or I, yeah, I need the augment component, which I get from biochem. I make red cell graphs, re-engineer those, reverse engineer those, and that's where I get the components. And then in the case of synth weaving, I need charged hypercloth, which comes from underworld trading. It's a fabric. And of course, as I said, the given hypercalculator. So the hardest thing for me to get there is just the charged hypercloth. Pretty much have to run missions. Very expensive to buy on the GTN. But the reason I, I go this route is it's really easy to gather crystals and biomats from the endless swamp on Zakul. I have a couple of tunes with archaeology, bioanalysis, and really a short tour of about 30 minutes, and I've drained the swamp of what I need for that day. And it's so much better than Breaktown, which is where you have to go to farm metals. And I don't know if Darvanus has made gathering better. I, I've only gotten a couple tunes that far into the story. But I do know that you can uh, farm the grade 9 materials on Darvanus, so maybe that's made it a little bit easier. But, you know, I've written about Breaktown. I call it the Breaktown Boogie, and I hate it. If I have to go farm mats in Breaktown, I just, just hate it. So I kind of gave up on that and just focused on the endless swamp and the biomats and, and the crystals. Oh. And like I said, the kits sell great. And if you keep this up, I mean, I make anywhere from one. On a really good day, I'll make $4 million just off just off the kits. Um, so if you happen to be an augment kit seller, email me and let me know how you do it. The biochem synth weaving com- combo is just how I chose to do it, but I'm open to suggestions. And it seems, seems though, you know, the more credits I make, the more I question if it's enough. I always want more credits. And I'm not afraid to spend them, but I'm just, you know, I'm just curious to know what, what the heck is rich in this game and how many credits do people have? I mean, I'm going to go for 200 million. I'd have to think at 200 million, I'm sitting pretty good. But when you've got items and lightsabers and things costing 50 million credits, well, obviously you, you can burn through that very, very quickly. So that's my in-game rambling for today. Um, so now I'm going to want to go ahead and let's just slice the holonet and talk about some news because there's some good news, some good things coming out of uh, Austin Texas, as it were, uh, this week. So a few small items coming off the the dev post on August the 11th. There will be a producer live stream where they'll have information on Season 7. I don't PvP much, but if you do PvP and you like PvP, they're going to give you some information about what's going on in Season 7 for PvP. I have no idea what it'll be, but tune into that on August the 11th. Uh, let's see what else. If you're going for the legendary achievement for the Dark versus Light event, 
there's a bug right now for the hard mode depths of Manon. And on the last boss, you know, the last boss is this alpha cyborg, right? And part of the way you're, 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 you defeat him is you drag him around the room and these flame jets come from the ceiling and it weakens him and damages him. So if the boss dies to one of those flame jets to the fire, you don't get credit for the achievement. Um, so the plan, I guess, will fix this is to fix this. And they said game update 4.7.1. So that's not even the initial release of 4.7, obviously. Um, so you might have to wait a little bit before you, before that's fixed. But there is a workaround, which is to make sure your character gets the killing blow. Your character, I guess anyone in your group gets the killing blow, and you should be okay. And I think there are a couple other bugs related to the legendary achievement, which they're also targeting game update 4.7.1 to fix. So just something to keep in mind if you're, if you're going for that insane achievement for the dark versus light event. The Gustuno recruitment mission will, I repeat, will be available when Chapter 16, The Battle for Odessan, launches on August the 9th. They had some trouble with this. It was supposed to come with Chapter 15, Gemini Deception. They had to push it back. So it's now coming with uh, Chapter 16, The Battle for Odessan. So you'll be able to get Gustuno uh, when the chapter releases. And, you know, it'll be August the 9th there. Um, But the big news, the big news of the week is that in game update 4.7 Bioware is releasing a feature that we've all been waiting for since Knights of the Fallen Empire was announced last summer and the wait is over and coming in 4.7 is the new pack opening experience now like me I'm sure that when you heard the phrase new pack opening experience you were hoping that it meant they were increasing both the volume and range at which you can hear packs opening by 200%. Because there's nothing better than standing next to some jackass who's opening 100 hypercrates worth of packs in the middle of the fleet. You know, if only they had someplace private like a starship or stronghold to do that in. But seriously though, opening packs is like one of those annoying habits like cracking your knuckles or slurping a hot beverage. It's kind of fun when you're doing it, but you want to throw yourself in front of a bus when you hear someone else doing it. Well, it turns out they're not increasing the radius or the volume. In fact, I think they're doing away with that public nuisance entirely. So you see, the new pack opening experience is a shiny new interface for you to get your hopes dashed as you watch that $100 of real money you spent get converted into a giant pile of war hero crystals, companion gifts, and social XP boosts. So how does this thing work? Well, you'll now open packs via a new interface called the Pack Viewer. The pack viewer will let you access all of the packs regardless of where you have them stored. And the packs will now stack in your inventory. Well, that's pretty nice. That's pretty nice, especially if a hypercrate. Having, you know, 30 packs taking up one slot, I'm all for that. When you open a pack, you'll have the option to reveal all of the items or reveal them one at a time. When an item is revealed, it is not stored in your inventory, but it goes into something called the item stash. Now, here's the thing about the item stash. It's legacy-wide. Any items in your stash can be transferred to any character in your legacy. Let me repeat that. You can transfer any item from your stash to any character in your legacy. Now, this is really good because the pack viewer will work with the new dark versus light packs that you get from completing the dark versus light achievements. One of the big complaints with the DVL packs is that the items you got were bound to the character that received the pack. I've actually gotten some pretty decent items like Revan's Reborn Upper Body and the Revan Reborn Supplementary Body. Unfortunately, those items are bound to to the character who got them, which in this case is a bounty hunter. 
and I probably would never use them on a bounty hunter. The only way I could get these to another character is if I complete the set on that bounty hunter and add it to my collection. Well, the new pack opening experience bypasses this restriction. And that's the good news. In the day late a credit short category, it will only apply to unopened packs. So if you're like me and you've opened up all of your DVL packs that you've earned thus far, those items will still be bound to that character uh, that you opened them on and they'll not be moved to your item stash. So it's not, not great in that sense, but at least at least I no longer have to do those silly achievement gymnastics and ensure that a specific character is the one who gets the packs. I don't have to worry about that. Any character can get the pack because they'll now go to the item stash. A couple other tidbits about the, the item stash. So the items in your stash can be sorted. You know, you can do it by name, quality, rarity, quantity, uh, whether it's new. Uh, you can filter items in your stash by the type, such as armor or mounts. If you have multiple unique items in your stash, you can claim one or the entire stack. If you claim the entire stack, the items will remain stacked in your character's inventories and will all share the same bind timer. And you can, the item stash can hold up to 250 unique items. So, and did I mention too that the unique items will stack, which is great. And this is the example Bioware gave. It said, for example, if you have three defiant vented lightsabers, it will only take up one slot in your stash. Okay, let's stop right there. If you have three defiant vented lightsabers, you either bought $1,000 worth of packs or have discovered one of those duping hacks where you pop an alacrity buff, have Nico Okar out, and get him to do that emote where he talks about saving Theron's mom. You open the pack, claim the items, unplug your PC from the internet, stand on your head, rub your tummy, rub your cat's tummy, reconnect your PC to the internet, and log back in to magically find three defiant vented lightsabers in your inventory. Well, that's the new pack opening experience. It's coming in game update 4.7. I know a lot of you are thinking that this is a waste of time and resources, probably much like this podcast, and it's the reason why we don't have a new operation. I don't know about that. But what I do know is I'm a big quality of life person, and anything that helps manage my inventory and makes it easier for me to transfer items between my 22 characters is all right in my book. Oh, and by the way, if anyone from Bioware happens to be listening to this, please, please let this work with supply crates. Please let this work with supply crates. Please tell me this works with supply crates. That would just make me, as I might actually go and run some heroics now and, you know, get those armor crates and things like that. If I know that I can actually store most of them in the item stash, that would be the end all and be all. So there you go. That's the new opening New pack opening experience coming in game update 4.7. Well, that's all the recent dev news. I did want to talk about the expansion announcement. And by the way, I use the term announcement loosely here. There was virtually no information given about given about the upcoming expansion, which is called Knights of the Eternal Throne, by the way. In fact, you could have done the entire thing in a tweet. I mean, seriously, you could. It would have been like, you know, next... SWOTOR expansion, Knights of the Eternal Throne, coming fall 2016. You can even toss a bunch of hashtags in there. You know, hashtag SWOTOR, hashtag Star Wars, hashtag SWCE, and hashtag what else did you want us to say? That's how devoid of information the announcement was. Now, outside of the uh, EA panel where they did do the announcement, James Olin actually did an interview with ComicBook.com, and he did add a few couple interesting points. 
Uh, and it was mentioned that the Knights of the Eternal Throne story will be playable on its own. You won't have to complete Knights of the Fallen Empire to start Knights of the Eternal Throne, which is a bad idea if you've never played Knights of the, the Fallen Empire, but it's a great idea if you don't want to run your 40th tune through Fallen Empire just to play Eternal Throne. And according to Olin, there will be a lot of great co-op and multiplayer challenges. We have no idea what this means, and it could be anything, right? It could be another Eternal Championship type event, a Star Fortress type Flashpoint, but it could also mean a new operation or a new Flashpoint. We just don't know. What I will say is this. Fans have been screaming for a new operation, including myself, and Bioware knows this. So if a new operation is planned, why not come out and just say it? Even if it won't be ready at launch, just say at some point during Eternal Throne, there will be a new op. I'm not saying there is or isn't one planned, but you'd think if there was, they would just come out and say so. Uh, you know, One other interesting thing that Olin had to say about the Knights of the Eternal Throne was this. And he said the old Knights of the the old Knights of the Old Republic games were so popular because they made you into the Luke Skywalker of the game, giving you a band of friends you'd love to go on a galactic adventure with in real life. Um, we want to continue that with Knights of the Fallen Empire, Knights of the Eternal Throne, giving you that feeling and the story twists. Which brings me now to my featured topic of the week, which I'm calling Outlander, I Am Your Father. Now, before I begin, I want to remind you that I'm recording this on August the 5th, uh, which is a few days prior to the release of Chapter 16, The Battle for Odessan. I have no idea what's going to happen, so this is 100% speculation on my part. I wanted to get that out there on the off chance that my ridiculous theory pans out. This is not a spoiler. However, if you don't want ideas about Chapter 16 popping in your head, I don't know, skip ahead about five minutes um, and you know, go, go straight to the outro. And I'll give you like a few seconds pause here to, to go ahead and do that. All right, that's good enough. Okay, now that I've got those of you who want to be here, I am calling it now. Emperor Valkorion is our father. Not quite in the same way that he is the father to Archon, Thexen, and Balin. I'm not saying that Senya is our mother. But I do believe that we are Valkorion's progeny and it will be revealed in chapter 16. So why do I think this? Well, I already talked about what James Olin said about our characters being the Luke Skywalker of the game. Last year, creative director Jesse Skye wrote an article called Crafting the Next Story of Star Wars The Old Republic. In it, he wrote this. Last year, I decided to rewatch The Empire Strikes Back and write down everything that shocked the audience back in its original theatrical run. It's a very long list. That film packs a real emotional punch. It's full of twists, betrayals, and revelations the entire way through. I've wanted to tell a Star Wars story like that ever since the first time I saw it. Now, you all know that the big moment, the big twist, the big reveal in that movie is when Darth Vader tells Luke that he's his father. That wasn't just a big Star Wars moment. It was a big cinematic moment. And I think that's what Bioware is going for in Knights of the Fallen Empire. Let's face it. They haven't had a moment like that since it was revealed your character was Revan in the original Knights of the Old Republic game. That was a neat thing, and I believe they want to capture that magic again. And the way they'll do it is by creating a familial connection between our character and Valkorion. Yes, it's crazy, and I'm probably wrong, but it kind of makes sense, too. It certainly explains how smugglers and bounty hunters and troopers are so powerful. It also explains how our Force-sensitive characters are some of the most powerful Force users in the galaxy. 
It also believe, leads me to believe that Valkorion will be part of the Knights of the Eternal Throne expansion. And back to looking at Fallen Empire as the Empire Strikes Back of SWOTOR, it's kind of kind of is the middle story. If you think of things in terms of a trilogy, you have Shadow of Revan as part one, and you have Knights of the Fallen Empire as part two, and then Eternal Throne as part three. And it seems pretty clear that chapter 16 is going to leave a lot unresolved. There's the mystery of the gravestone, taking the eternal taking the eternal throne, defeating Arkan and Valen too. Unless this is an unusually long chapter, I think it's going to end in a cliffhanger and the story will continue in Knights of the Eternal Throne. I don't see things getting wrapped up, so there's definitely room in this story for a big twist regarding us and Valkorion. So I am hanging my saber on that theory and we'll know on August 9th if it all pans out. And with that, I hear the music starting to play here, so that can mean only one thing. You've managed to burn this half hour listening to episode one of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also listen to the show directly from the show website, which is currently sotorpodcast.buzzsprout.com. And there is also an RSS feed, and I'll have all this stuff uh, posted in the in the show notes. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions, too, at sotorpodcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. So tune in next week for Episode 2. And remember, the Sith Code, Cake is Alive.